the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Voice123, Studio Bricks, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. The Video Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 92 of the Video Meter. Measuring your voice over progress. We have voice actor and narrator and author Dane Reed coming on today to promote his book, Forget Having Kids, I'm Having Fun, 1,000 Random Reasons I Chose to Be Hashtag Child Free. Now, Dane's an old friend of mine, and I'm really excited to catch up. But before that, it's time for our... VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO Meter Reference Levels. Uh, seriously, guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show. So we actually have some super exciting news. I don't think we've announced this yet, at least on the podcast, but we've done it on social media. But we're really happy to announce that we have finally reached 100,000 lifetime downloads for the show. Woohoo! Oh man, six figures. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of unbelievable, isn't it? I've been waiting for this for a long time. We, we reached 90,000 a little while ago, and I've been basically hitting refresh on the stats page every couple of days <laughs> because I knew it was coming. No, it that's so cool. I, I I can't tell you how overjoyed we are. I mean, we we never thought we would get this far. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. How many people, yeah, we're we're just so happy that so many people are enjoying the the podcast and benefiting from it. Thank you, thank you to all of our fans and listeners. They come up to me every time I go to an event. And I'm sure it'll happen again at View Atlanta, or at least, please, if you're listening, please make it happen because we're vain and we like the attention. People come up and say how much they like the <laughs> podcast or are they fans of the show. And we really appreciate all the support over the years. Absolutely. We wouldn't be here without you guys. So that gets the big news out of the way. Sean, what's happening in your VO world? Uh, just very, very busy. Uh, like uh, my regular uh, membership management work for GVAA. I'm leading an accent class to, uh, this week for a, or what is it, Lakewood Institute of Theater, which is a school kind of outside of Seattle. Uh, we're working on European accents of various varieties. And then as far as VO work, um, just been doing uh, more and more e-learning gigs with my repeat clients, trying to negotiate a very large uh, meditation app deal right now. They got my fingers crossed for. And then other than that, uh, my fiance moved in. So I've been Ooh. busy helping her uh, unpack and we've been kind of re rearranging the house to her liking with, with my consent. It's not all like, okay, honey, but it's... <laughs> But yeah, so we're just getting her uh, settled. So it's been pretty cray cray at the at the Daily Vo studio these days. Yeah, I've heard it's it's good for your relationship long term if you um, live with your wife. <laughs> yes, indeed. No, I mean people have known like we have been long distance off and on like for several points throughout this relationship. I mean we uh, when we first started dating, she was living in Hawaii, I was in Washington. Um, we did that for two years, and then she moved down here, and then the pandemic happened, and then we are separated for about eight months again, and then finally things started opening up again, but then I got the house, and then yeah, I've been working on it for seven months. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's definitely 
part, an unfortunate part of the relationship, but one that we have learned to adapt around. It's funny. I was listening to an old episode, a couple of them last week, and I came across a, a part that you were talking about how you had just been to Hawaii to visit Rachel and said she was on mm-hmm. her on her in the process of moving back and I was like, Why? Why would you ever move back from Hawaii? I don't understand. I know, every time I brought that up, it was like, Are you sure have you thought this through? Like, you know <laughs> Yeah, in between there during the pandemic there was even a promotion that the 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 state of Hawaii was running where they would pay for your room and board if you found a job there and, and boosted the local economy. So even even more reason to stay there if you could, but I totally understand. Indeed, but it was pretty hard to compete with the cost of living at the time. So, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Uh, but it was beautiful. I do. I'm I'm glad I I got there and I got a beautiful fiance out of it. So, oh, <laughs> it was worth it. Oh, indeed. She listens to these sometimes, so I want to throw that in there. There you go. <laughs> but what about you, Paul? What's new in your VO world? So I've got a bunch of things going on. I'm working on two audiobooks that I am producing and directing for authors narrating the books themselves through Twin Flame Studios, uh, the CEO of which we had on two episodes ago, Tina Dietz. The first one is called Design for Identity, and it's by Jessica Bantam. It's a book from an interior designer's point of view about how to design interior design buildings and spaces based on um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is kind of fascinating because it's something I would never consider. Interesting. That's basically what the whole book is about, about how even people in the industry don't usually consider these things and how someone's uh, ethnicity or um, sexual orientation or um, race should factor into the building that they either work or live in. And that's, again, that's something I never would have considered. So I'm grateful to have exposure to this book and I'm sure it'll be very successful when it comes out. Funny connection story, as I'm reading the acknowledgements, or actually as the author is reading the acknowledgements, she thanks her, her teachers at her middle school and her high school, both of which my dad happens to have been faculty at when she was there. So Are you kidding? She's from Philadelphia, <laughs> which I did know, and I'm from Philadelphia as well. But I didn't know the deep the, the deep um, connection we might have. So she's they're both specialty specialty art schools, and my dad's a music teacher. So he was he was the mm. band teacher, and she was taking design courses. So they didn't really have any interaction. But just the fact that she was at the school in the in the eighties when my dad was teaching there was is just unbelievable to me that we made that, that close connection it's uncanny man you just <laughs> i mean you're naturally good at finding those connections but when True. they happen naturally it's kind of, it's eerie <laughs> and then i don't want to give away this this woman's entire background but the middle school is also the middle school where leslie odom jr happened to attend who's one of the stars of hamilton and now the glass onion and many other films and 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 on on and off broadway shows but he was uh aaron burr in hamilton so that's where I first was exposed mm. to him. Found out he was also at the school the same time my dad was teaching there, so it was pretty cool. Nuts. And the other book I'm <laughs> working Glass on... Onion's a great film if nobody's seen it. <laughs> yeah, both of them. Then the other book I'm working on is Stress Wisely, How to Be Well in an Unwell World by Dr. Robin Hanley Defoe. And this is the second book we're working on with this client, so it's pretty fun because we have a very close relationship because we spent 12 hours working together the first time. Now this is the second time we're doing an audiobook, and she's narrating and doing a great job so far. And then I've also just had a book that I narrated myself released, which I haven't done for a while. So this one is called The Magic Show by Lee Riley. Just came out on Monday. Uh, no, wait, that's today. Just came out on Friday, and it's available now on Audible or any other place where you can download audiobooks. 
and uh, I would appreciate you taking a listen. Let me know what you think. It's a show about a traveling circus where people do real magic and the adventures they get in while, while doing so. So The Magic Show by Lee Riley, please check that out. And finally, I'm doing a ton of live announcing. It's spring, which means there's a lot of new sports. I'm doing lots of baseball, lacrosse. Uh, I'm, I've done lacrosse for Navy, and I've done baseball for the University of Maryland. And I'm starting this week for the first time doing baseball for Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. And then I'm also doing opening day for the Aberdeen Ironbirds, which, which is a single A affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles. So I'm looking forward to that. Man, that's awesome. It's crazy busy at the Paul Stefano studio. Yeah, lots of stuff going on. So before we get to our questionable gear purchases, because I know you have some things to talk about, and I have a not-so-questionable gear purchase, which seems to be coming a pattern here at the studio, but I wanted to do a, a quick <laughs> rant on an experience I had and get your opinion on it, as well as possibly from the listeners, if you have some thoughts on this after, after you have a chance to listen. So I was doing an audition on Ahab, which is the online clearinghouse for audio auditions for Penguin Random House. And they have some great books there, usually by some big-name publishers. And I did an audition a couple of weeks ago where it was a, a book that Michelle Lee actually had re uh, recommended to me. I hadn't even seen it. And Michelle, who was a guest on the show a couple of months ago, sent me a text and said, hey, have you seen this? This would be right up your alley. So I looked and said, yeah, it is. You're right. So I did the audition. And within like an hour, I got a response from the studio I th sometimes it's uh, the publisher is casting there. Sometimes it's, a, it's a, a studio. I think sometimes it can't even be the rights holder themselves. But in this case, it was a studio. And they said, hi, Paul, we loved your audition. We're thinking about hiring you. Can you send us the audition so we can download it? So I did that. And then um, they said, okay, we're ready to cast. We just need to get approval from the publisher. And I sort of raised my eyebrow and thought that was way too fast. I thought maybe it might even be a scam because normally when you audition for an audiobook, it doesn't happen that fast. So I replied and said, just to be clear, you're, you're ready to, to hire, right? Because, you know, basically what I just said, I, I said in the email, I know it doesn't usually happen this fast. And they responded and said, yes, we are ready to hire. So I said, great. Uh, just let me know what you need from me. So then two days pass. Oh, and by the way, the, the, the final product was due in like three and a half weeks. So it was a really tight deadline. So the next day, let, let go by, no word. Uh, two days go by, and I send a follow-up saying, hey, I'm really anxious to do this book. I know you said the deadline soon. Can I get the manuscript? I let uh, three more days go by, no response. I send another email. Uh, deadline soon. Can I get that manuscript? Happy to get started. I haven't seen an offer in Ahab, because normally how it works is you get either a message or an offer through Ahab itself that says you've been cast for this book. Click accept. So then a whole week goes by, still hear nothing. At this point, I've called the studio because I found their contact information. I searched them online. I found out where the studio is. I get their phone number for this person who is going to cast me. I call them, leave a voicemail, no response. So at this point, I figure they've probably moved on. But because of that confirmation I got, where I actually specifically said, are you ready to hire me? And they said, yes. I figured I was going to push on. So I get a little testing, and I contact um, the, the founders and operators of Ahab, which is um, Julie Wilson and Dan Zitt, who we've had on the show as well. See where this is going, how all these connections seem to, seem to come together. I contact Julie and Dan <laughs> mm -hmm. and say, I don't know what's happening, but maybe you should be aware of this particular studio because they've totally ghosted me, and it seems really unprofessional. And it turns out I had the wrong address for Dan. But Julie responds, 
and says, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, we'll keep it in mind. Generally, Ahab is a clearinghouse, so you're kind of on your own in these things, but we'll keep an eye out if this becomes a problem with this particular studio. So then a whole month goes by, the deadline passes on the on when the book was supposed to be due, and I'm still a little testy, so I decide to contact the publisher. <laughs> I'm not going to say who it is, because while I've clearly blown, destroyed this bridge with all manner of explosives, I don't want anyone else to have the same issue. So I contact the publisher with an email and said basically what I just talked about during during the show, how all these all these steps and, and all the lack of reply, no response from them. But then the day afterwards, and I'm guessing it was a, a reach out from the publisher, the studio finally emails me and says, uh, Paul, you weren't cast for this project. Thank you for your for your audition for your audition. So never want to take no for an answer without a reason. I respond back and say you know, WTF, basically. Do you remember this email where you said you were going to hire me? And I get this long-winded email about how I'm unprofessional because generally you don't hear back from from production houses if you're not hired. It's extremely unprofessional to reach back out or even contact the third party because you, you didn't have any information. So I sat on that for a couple of hours thinking I wasn't going to respond, but then I had to. And... I, I replied back with a quote from the email <laughs> saying, you told me you were going to hire me. A simple, we've changed our mind, or things went wrong with the publisher, it would have gone a long way to, to resolving this. And basically said, good day. Haven't heard from them since. So with all that, Sean, why don't you give me your take on whether I went overboard, whether the studio was unprofessional, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, if they hadn't sent you that email, then... I mean, if they had given you completely no response, you probably wouldn't have done anything because you assumed you wouldn't have gotten it selected. But they said at least once that you were being hired and they were moving forward with the project and then they ghosted you. So that's on them. And I think they were just trying to deflect blame to you just to like to, to shut you up, basically, and shut you down. So... Yeah, I don't think they conducted themselves professionally, and they just didn't want to accept responsibility for it. Yeah, that's kind of my thought, too. But, dear listeners, please let us know what you think. If if I went completely overboard, uh, back-channeling with what they had themselves and the publisher, quite possibly, but I'd love to hear what you think about that. And if you've been in a similar situation, let us know. Oh, sorry that happened, Paul, but on to happier things, like gear and our questionable <laughs> gear purchases. <laughs> Questionable Gear Purchase. This episode's kind of special because I didn't actually have to buy my questionable gear purchases this time because I had a birthday a few weeks back. So uh, I got some very, very cool gifts from um, from my family. My oldest brother, Spike, that's his nickname, not his real name. Um, oh, really? I didn't know that. Very kind. No, it's it's Christopher Michael actually. But oh. he go, he's been going for Spike for since at least twenty years. But it, it I don't know. It's like Spike Spiegel. It just works, you know, for his personality. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he was very kind and got me uh, a new pair of headphones. And I actually got these. Uh, was turned on to these by Jordan Reynolds. They're the AKG three seventy ones. Similar price to to say like the AT. Um, M50s or the Bayer Dynamics, but they're a lot lighter. They're a lot more portable. And I noticed that I don't have as much like as many tension headaches as, as I was having before. 
And it's funny because it's like, I mean, I love the buyer dynamics. They're very comfortable. The ear cuffs are great. The isolation's great, but they're heavy. And I didn't realize that until I had a much lighter pair of headphones. Um, so so that was great. That was a very nice gift. Uh, I'm enjoying using these and traveling around with them. And then the other gift was oh, hold on. Uh, I want to talk about those. Trist- I've, I've been eyeing those up oh, as yeah. well, but also based on Jordan's recommendation because I use the AKG K240s at my desk to edit. They're the open back ones, though, so you can't really use them inside the booth. Yeah, yeah. And um, Jordan basically told me those would be the equivalent of a closed back headphone. So uh, I'd love to hear some more some more uh, thoughts on from you about it as the weeks and months go by. Are you going to bring them to Vito Atlanta, by the way? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't, don't want to try them on. I don't try them on. I just want to take a look at them and see if they do feel the same because that's exactly what I love about the K240s, too, is that they're so light and airy. You almost forget that you have them on. Mm-hmm. No, they're great. I mean, for a $50 pair of headphones, they sound wonderful. Um, I, I've been pretty happy about that. Uh, I actually got a pair for Rachel <laughs> as a backup. Oh, cool. Um, but anyway, but yeah, so uh, they're very comfortable, very portable. And I love they even have uh, multiple detachable cables. So you, if you don't like a, a straight cable versus a coiled cable, you can just swap them out. You don't have that much distance between or like maybe you're traveling and you don't want like six feet of cable they have a smaller one that you can plug it into oh, that's cool too yeah it's it's uh, and i just love that like and if it or the worst comes to worse or you roll over it with your chair or it gets cut you can just replace the cable very cool all right so there was that very thoughtful gift and then the other one was from my my middle brother tristan and his wife and they got me uh the owc thunderbolt hub so this thing is in kind of, its price has been varying between $150 to discounted to as much as $90 or $99, uh, depending on if it's Black Friday or the holiday sales or whatever. What this does is that it basically, uh, like, one of my main computers right now is the M1 MacBook Air, and it's a wonderful machine. It's great, it's light, it's portable and fast, but it only has two ports. It only has two USB-C ports. And one of them was actually being a little flaky as far as, like, drawing power and, and recognizing devices and stuff like that. So it's just like, I essentially only had one port. <laughs> like so, um, and if I plugged that in for charging, I had no ports. So what this does is that took my two ports to six uh, ports. It's got, like, four USB-C and then one USB-A. And so... Basically, like that solved all of the issues I was having because now I can hook up my my webcam, my USB mic, my interface, and charge it, and a couple of other things that I want. So basically, um, and it even works with my iPad. So it takes a device with two ports and gives them six, or one with one port and gives them five. So it's pretty awesome and fun to play with. The problem, though, is that it has a gigantic battery. It's like 110 volts. So while it might be good if you're doing a road trip or a desktop or need it for a desktop setup, you can't fly with it because apparently you can only fly with up to a 100-watt battery. Really? So, yep, yep. Um, So that's a little unfortunate. I might double-check. Maybe it's different for, like, laptop battery chargers or whatever. It's it's a huge power brick. It's like those old 90s laptop (laughs) battery power bricks. But other than that, uh, it's been fun integrating it into the studio. It was a huge help when I was having internet problems and I uh, had to do uh, 
a lot of work from my kitchen, basically, mm-hmm. because it was right where the router was. So it was nice having this little hub and creating this little ergonomic office space at my dinner table. Very cool. And happy birthday, by the way. My birthday right. was pretty recently, too. So are we both Aquarius? Nice, Aquarius? nice. That's right. I'm an Aquarius. Yeah. Uh, January 24th. Well, normally I don't think people from the same sign get along that well, but good on us. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It must be the, the odd couple personality thing, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> But what about you? What about your sensible gear purchases, as you were implying? Well, as the listeners know, and you know, a lot of manufacturers have been sending us stuff, either because I've asked them to, or a couple have actually reached out to us and asked us to review stuff. And that continues to be the case. So first of all, I have some bad news. The Lewitt Connect 6 interface I was using appears to be dead to my computer. Now, I do use a very old computer. It's a 2012-era Mac Mini. But I don't think that's the issue because I'm I'm updated all the way to what the heck am I uh, about this Mac? I'm on Catalina, which is pretty stable and and not too far behind. But anyway, I went to update the firmware on the Connect Six and do the firmware upgrade in the the software, the control center for Lewitt, and it just suddenly wasn't recognized on the computer. So I did a bunch of reset. I reset. I unplugged the the interface. I restarted my computer. I Re- reinstall the software, and for some reason, it won't be recognized on my computer at all anymore. Now, I know the interface still works because it can be used offline, just as a remote mixer, and I still see levels bouncing back and forth when I have the microphones plugged in, but it's just dead to my computer, so unfortunately, I can't use that anymore. So, yeah, Lou, if you're listening, uh, uh, let me know if I screwed something up or if there's some way I can fix it with another uh, firmware or software download, and um, maybe I can keep using it. Hopefully they'll think of something. I mean, Lewitt is so tech-focused, and they really do care about the quality of their products that I wouldn't be surprised if a firmware update is on the horizon. Yeah, hopefully I can get it to to work. So on a happier note, Avid, uh, makers of Pro Tools and the old-school Mbox, has a new product called the Mbox Studio, which is a larger interface-slash-mixer, kind of akin to the Rodecaster Pro, might be their answer to that. They sent me one of those. It just arrived today. Actually, we were about to record, and I got the ring doorbell notification saying, someone's at your door. It was FedEx delivering the Mbox Studio. So I thought I'd do another crazy uh, audio-only unboxing, which hopefully will become famous for because they're just so ridiculous. But as you pointed Indeed. out, Sean, if you're into ASMR, this might be cool for you. So I got the giant box here. It's a, let's see, about a 16 by 12-inch trapezoid or a rhombus. I've pulled up off the tape that holds the uh, the seal that shows you that it hasn't been tampered with. Let's see, we've got a welcome kit and a, sorry, welcome um, placard with a, oh, with a redemption code for Pro Tools. Oh, that's pretty cool. We'll have to investigate that. I did see on an online review by somebody, I forget who it was, that it does have some version of Pro Tools. I'm not sure what level, but we can check that out. Uh, it has M-Box itself, surrounded by two giant foam braces. It's got a USB-C to USB-C connection cable with looks like a, a ferret, um, what's that called, isolator. Oh, and also a dongle to connect to USB-A. That's helpful, because a lot of devices don't come with that anymore. What is this? Oh, geez, power adapters for, like, five different countries. I don't even know what these are all for. One, two, three. Yeah, so five <laughs> different 
wall power adapters to connect to whatever country you're in. Here's the USA one, cool. Let's see what else. We got the power adapter. It does not, it's not just bus powered, probably because it's just too robust. So it does have a power adapter to plug into the wall, which is what all those international adapters are for. Uh, hope you're not allergic to styrofoam. I hope I'm not allergic to styrofoam. <laughs> all right, here's the unbox, the unbox studio itself. Wow, it is thick and heavy. Yeah, I was expecting a much smaller, like, you know, typical USB interface form factor, but it looks a lot more like, say, the um, the Rode, uh, the Rodecaster Pro. Like yeah, that it's, mixer it's kind a of big size. Alright, yeah, so it's got like... <laughs> it looks awesome, though. Kind of like a, I don't know, sci-fi tape deck mixer with all yeah. black and purple and pretty lights and colors. <laughs> yeah, there's two rotary knobs in the front. It is quite hefty. It's got two metal, the metal chassis on the top and bottom, and then Looks like plastic on the sides. On the front, there's two rotary knobs. From what I understand, one is for the input, one for the output. I haven't had a chance to even plug it in yet because I literally just pulled it out of the box. It has 48 volt phantom power. It's got some pads. I know it has some assignable effects buttons that you can do music or sound effects to. Let's see, mm -hmm. it's got on the front, two quarter inch headphone inputs, two combo mic slash line inputs, and a high Z to amp out. Now on the back it has MIDI in, MIDI out, power button, optical in and out, SPDIF in and out, uh, two monitor outputs, a main and alt, uh, two effects ends and effects returns, two quarter inch line ins, and on the back, two combo mic line ins or uh, variable Z, and then a lock, if you want, a Kensington lock, if you want to um, lock it to a laptop stand. Wow, that's a lot of features. So that's the unboxing. I know with audio it's kind of ridiculous, but hey, it's fun for me. <laughs> and I'll Did be- you hear the colors, children? <laughs> yeah, I'll be putting this through its paces over the next couple of weeks. One thing Abbott actually offered was the opportunity for me to connect with one of their engineers to help me walk through it over uh, over a video call so i took advantage of that hasn't happened yet because it just came in the mail but uh, as soon as mm -hmm. i have that set up i will get it going and hopefully they will help me not screw things up before i get started so thank you to avid for sending the inbox studio and i'm really looking forward to trying it out that wraps up this round of questionable gear purchases i am super excited to see what you do with that inbox studio because it looks like a beast so we'll have our interview with author and voice actor dane reed right after these words from our sponsors in these modern times, every business needs a website. When you need a website for your voice acting business, there's only one place to go. Like the name says, voiceactorwebsites.com. Their experience in this niche webmaster market gives them the ability to quickly and easily get you from concept to live online in a much shorter time. When you contact voiceactorwebsites.com, their team of experts and designers really get to know you and what your needs are. They work with you to highlight what you do. Then they create an easily navigable website for your potential clients to get the big picture of who you are and how your voice is the one for them. Plus, voiceactorwebsites.com has other great resources like their practice script library and other resources to help your voiceover career flourish. Don't try it yourself. 
go with the pros. VoiceActorWebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. Hey, Paul, did you know Voice123, the largest online marketplace for voice actors, just celebrated its 20th year anniversary? Whoa, really? That's amazing. Doesn't really surprise me, though. I've used Voice123 since the beginning of my career. I remember way back in my first year where I booked a job as a hypnotist. I actually got to say, you are getting very sleepy on a radio ad. The whole thing was super easy. They even paid me right away for the audition and said that was all they needed. I've been a member of Voice123 for years as well. I've always enjoyed their upfront policies, ability to contact clients directly, and their commitment to the voiceover industry. Totally. CEO Rolf Veldman has appeared on the show before, and in every interaction I've had with him and the company, I've felt a sense of trust, like they really care. Well, if you want a great place to find your VO niche and find yourself as a voice actor, visit voice123.com for more information. Now, VO Meter listeners can also get 15% off premium tier memberships. For more information, visit our website and click on the Click Here to Save 15% banner on our sponsors page. Voice123, speak for yourself. How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on. Not unlike this one, and this guy starts talking. Not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking. Not unlike myself. And you think to yourself, geez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist. Because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the interview portion of this episode of the VO Meter. Today, we're joined by Dane Reed. Dane is a versatile voice actor and author known for his dynamic range and ability to bring characters to life. With nearly two decades of experience in the industry, he has lent his voice to a wide variety of projects, including national commercials, radio stations, and two of his own audiobooks. Reed began his career as a voice actor producing local radio commercials, where he quickly made a name for himself in the hip-hop nightclub commercial space. He has lent his voice to many popular corporate projects, too, including companies like Pepsi, General Motors, Buffalo Wild Wings, and Acura. Dane has also made a name for himself in the world of radio imaging. He has lent his voice to a number of popular stations in big markets, including Miami, Atlanta, and New Orleans. Reed's talent extends beyond just voice acting. He is also an accomplished author. He has written two books, including a memoir about his experiences during, excuse me, experiences being child-free, entitled Forget Having Kids, I'm Having Fun, which we're here to talk about today, 1,000 Random Reasons I Decided to Be Child-Free, or hashtag child-free. So, Dane, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm here. I've arrived. Indeed. I'm, I'm happy to be <laughs> Oh, you're too kind. You're too kind. So, um... <laughs> So just kind of giving a little bit of a backup personal history with Dane and I, I first found out about you through your voiceover extra articles, actually. Oh, okay, I, yeah. I think it was kind of because uh, uh, I was I was a teacher in Japan 
And I okay. was looking for like, I think some portable rig stuff. And that was one of the first articles I'd seen for you. Cause you really, even okay. back then you talked about your passion for traveling and, and just always yeah. having a bit of a gear head as well and having nice equipment yeah. with you when you do it. And, yeah. uh, and then when we met at VO Atlanta, oh God, like 2015, I think it was the first time. So seven, uh, eight years ago, um, we just really, yeah, yeah, I think so. That was the uh, the first time I went. I kind of won the the international scholarship because I, I was still in Japan at the time. But anyways, so so we chatted about about teaching, about traveling, about women, and then you wrote a book about it all. So let's talk about that. <laughs> I didn't include you in any of the stories you told me, so don't be worried. Okay, um, thank God. Woof. I'm keeping they it all a secret. Not a word about Belize, but <laughs> no. But it, I, I'd hate for you to be canceled. So I just, you know, I'll keep, I'll keep all your secrets. <laughs> One thing that I wanted to ask Dane is that it takes a lot of uh, chutzpah, a lot of self confidence to put yourself out there the way you did. Being an actor, I work with a lot of like aspiring talent, and we often talk about the ideas of confidence and, and vulnerability, right? Now, now you're obviously someone with a lot of self-confidence and you really, like you bared your soul in some other parts of you for a couple hours of this book. So yeah. what was that experience like? How did you convince yourself that you had something important to say? I think everybody has something important to say. I think we all have a really great story to tell. I think what happens though, which ends up being a difference between myself and, and some other people is that one, I'm not afraid to tell my story. I know, you know, I joked about being canceled and stuff like that. It doesn't matter if I'm canceled, right? Because I'm still going to live my life to the best of my ability. And that that's just something that I believe deeply in. And so to tell my story, it may anger some people, but then it may also help some people. And so I'm more concerned about the people that I may help, the people who I share so much in common. You and me, Sean, we, we share a lot in common, like you were pointing out, having migraines since we were very young. Um, we, we both have a teaching background, for instance, right? So... Those are things that, you know, those are stories that I thought were important. And I wanted to tell those things because I wanted to connect with more of people who are, who are like me, right? And this book that I wrote has so many elements of people who are like me and people who are dislike me, including, you know, not just including people who don't have kids, but even people who have kids can relate to to my stories because they're people too. They they have kids. They they've seen some of the things that I talk about firsthand. They laugh about it. You know, oh my gosh, yeah, he was swinging from the cabinet. My kid does that. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's stuff like that that you're just like, yeah, okay. And I I just wanted us to all get a good laugh out of it. I think some nice comedy comes from personal outrageous experiences. You know, you see some of the best comedians like, you know, you have a Kevin Hart who laughs at being, you know, five foot one. And, you know, <laughs> he, just, he, he just puts it out there. Those are his vulnerabilities. And and so I think it's best when you can laugh at yourself and um, other people can laugh with you without laughing at you. 
And we just don't always take things so seriously and we just have fun, right? So, you know, the title, Forget Having Kids, I'm Having Fun, I'm having from, fun from the, the, you know, writing this book to putting together the cover. Like everything in here is kind of like this wink, wink, right? So mm-hmm. you know, we're, from the moment you, you open it and I, the first sentences in there are, it's like, where are we going with this, you know? And, um, and, and, you know, I just wanted to, I wanted people to enjoy this. Even if you say, no, man, I think we should have 10 kids. Even the person who um, wants 10 kids or has 10 kids, when they start reading this, they, you know, they're, they're laughing because like nine of their kids do stuff like this. Well, well, I, I really enjoyed the delivery of the book because it was, it was cheeky. It was snarky. There was some tough love there, but it wasn't really yeah. judgmental. And, and it no. was, it was inviting people to the conversation. Yeah. yeah. You know, every place you turn from Facebook to the news to when you walk outside, someone's attacking you just for the choices that you make. And why? You know, it, the choices that I make have nothing to do with other people. There's a, you know, there's a phrase that I like to use. I got from a rap song. Is he's the, It goes, what you eat don't make me shit. Right? <laughs> so, you know, I love that. I'm like, thank God. Except in the case of the human right. centipede. Most, pe- <laughs> Most people don't eat as well as I do, but... <laughs> Maybe if you maybe if I did, I'd shit more. You know? Lots of fiber. Yeah, lots of fiber. You know, so um, just wanted to have some fun. You know, in in voiceover, I'm not so so stiff all the time. I got into voiceover because I wanted to enjoy the way that I delivered things. Um, I used to listen to the big guys on on these big urban stations with these big voices. Like there's a guy, uh, Pat Garrett, for instance. Pat Garrett used to do a lot of urban stations, and he has he he's got the VOG, the voice of God. And but it was like they would always give him these lines that were so cheeky, so off the cuff, you know. And it was just like. He's got this godly voice, but it's but he'd say some crazy, ridiculous stuff. And um, and I always loved that. And 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 I was like, yeah, I want to be that imaging guy just like that. And when when I got a chance to to do imaging, you know, I would tell people, hey, you know, uh, the program directors, hey, give me give me some of these kind kind of lines in my demo. I had, you know, there are jokes in my demos. Um, for station imaging, you know, I want to enjoy uh, this time that I have in voiceover. Uh, I want to enjoy this time that I have as an author when I express myself. I can be, you know, I I have a, a deeper voice, so people tend to take me really seriously when I talk sometimes, and um, and maybe even misinterpret sometimes, but I. I just really want to engage people in great conversations and do great VO work that makes people say, what did he say? You know? So that, that's just me. You know, I'm, I'm a laid back guy, you know, and, and chill. You know? Well, you came at the book from two different angles, really talking to the people, you know, who did have kids and obviously friends that were similar to you who did not have kids. 
And uh, yeah. Sean and I are kind of on the opposite side of that scale as well. I have three kids, two in high school and uh -huh. one in elementary school. Sean is kid-free at the moment. <laughs> um, and <laughs> and I think you you're, you did a good job of addressing both audiences. So I'm curious, um, well, some of my favorite parts, first of all, you talked about the the germ factory kids are a germ factory and oh man the dude so true i would get sick quarterly when i was a teacher it's just ah it happened like every couple of months and, and you just you just have a sinus infection for the entire year yeah it's ins yeah. <laughs> well, yeah kids have cooties is one of the chapters yeah, yeah. kids have cooties it's a it's a short chapter it's it's just you know straight to the point to have some fun um towards the end of the book I, I'm a lot more serious in talking about some more serious concepts. And I wanted to put that chapter in there just to kind of break it up, you know, and then let's get back to, you know, some of the more serious things. But yeah, it's true. Um, I worked with the kids and I swear, you know, it was like I had never gotten like flu shots before uh, I worked with kids. I had never gotten the flu so much um, or or sinus infections or I mean, it was just it was bad. You know, I was knocked out for count like so many times. I I felt like I got hit by like Mike Tyson's germs or something, you know, it was, mm -hmm. it was, it was incredible. Well, right on time right. last night, Dane, I was about to say goodnight to my youngest son. I asked him for a hug. He opens the door and projectile vomits all over the floor and uh, <laughs> almost on oh. me. I had to dive out of the way to not get hit with the, with the, the shrapnel. <laughs> mm. And he's homesick from school today. <laughs> the joy of parenting yeah, yeah <laughs> my literally point. i was reading uh, a bedtime story to my nephew the other day and he sneezes right in my eye i was like buddy you sneezed in my face no i didn't uh yeah i can feel the droplets on my eye <laughs> yeah it happens <laughs> that's kids you know that's kids uh, but um yeah. my other favorite chapter was the one about not being a role model where as soon as I heard the words come out of your mouth, I said Charles Barkley, and then your next words were Charles Barkley because <laughs> I remember that I remember that that That's... period so well, and totally identify with that. And I actually I actually think it's helped Charles become a role model. I don't know if you still follow his career. He's everywhere now. He's yeah. on every commercial, but I I point to him as a role model now because of because of that statement and being true to who he was and not saying that he should be a role model because of the celebrity. Right. So I'm, I'm personally like anti-celebrity culture. Um, I don't follow any celebrity. No, no one's my role model. I'm not, you know, like if if someone who I admire for their work does something crazy, you know, they're accused of some crazy crime. That's no reflection on me or, you know, my judgment to follow them as an entertainer or as a politician or or any public figure. Right. Like. Their music is one thing, their, you know, ball playing is one thing, and then who they are as a person is a total, totally different thing, has nothing to do with me. And so I don't think, you know, we should, like, hold these people up on a pedestal and then tell our kids, yeah, follow these guys, right? Because he may be able to shoot a great basketball or she may have, you know, sung your favorite song, but that has nothing to do with how they treat people outside of their work. Just like, you know, in the in the VO community, we are voice actors. But, you know, I mean, I'm sure some of us have ran into some people who aren't our cup of tea. Let's put That's it that savory. way. That's right? savory. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be really nice. You know, I don't want to get canceled. 
So, uh, <laughs> very good point. I mean, I, and I agree. Like, I think it's important to be inspired and influenced. I have yeah. dozens of mentors, for example, but it's, it's, we shouldn't deify these people. Right. 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 And I mean, people are messed up by default. If you throw money and fame on top of it, it just compounds everything. Right. Yeah. I totally. But, totally. But, not only, not only not um, deify them, but also um, hold them accountable the way we would hold anyone else accountable. You know, if I ran into a grocery store and ran out with some Snickers without paying for them, uh, then I'd be held accountable. And it's the same way that if your favorite celebrity, um, you know, or, or whoever um, steals a hundred million dollars, then they, you know, they should probably be in jail. So, you know, so yeah. So in, in the chapter, I talk about basically um, people being held accountable um, and not and, and understanding who you are when you're around children. Right. Because I, my favorite word is the F word. I mean, I ha haven't dropped it here yet. Um, I'm holding back. I'm waiting till after this interview. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, um, but it really is. And and it, and quite honestly, it helps me get out some stress. And I, I'm around children sometimes. And I'm just like, oh, oh got to wait till you leave. You know, yep, yep. I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine like having to hold that in all the time. It would be like being like uh, verbally constipated for me, you know, <laughs> not being able to, <laughs> to let it all out, you know. Well, you know, so, they've, uh, they've done studies, actually. You get a release of dopamine when you do that. Yeah. It, it literally is kind of like a stress valve, you know. Yeah, and absolutely. Funny, though, if you're someone who uses that language constantly, it doesn't have the same effect, just like any other drug. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I can't lie. Um, I definitely overdose. Um, <laughs> you know, I definitely just like there was like the um, Oxycontin problem. Oh, and yeah. It, for a long time. Yeah. And I'm that guy, you know, I got the I got the Oxycontin problem. You know, just you can't blame the Sacklers for me, though. Oh, it no. was New York. <laughs> I'm from Port Orchard, man. It was like the Oxy uh, capital of the world. But anyways, uh, so mm -hmm. back to the book. We are talking a little bit about how you kind of structured it, right? Like how you kind of right. tried to pepper some uncomfortable truce with with levity, right? Um, yeah. or, and, and I thought you did an excellent job of, of how you structured the book and how each chapter you had a theme based on one of your reasons for not having kids. And you've got this great storytelling where it kind of, it, it's, it, you go on these tangents that initially yeah. seem unrelated, but you circle back and connect everything. I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah. It, it I wanted it to be like a conversation with me, right? Um, I wanted it to be like when I'm hanging out with my people, right? When I'm with my friends and we're all just just throwing out, like we're just all talking shit, right? And you go off and you, you go far left and then you come back and you all remember what you guys were talking about and we're just all laughing. I didn't want it to be a textbook. 
That was the last thing that I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be a, a conversation where even if you weren't listening to the audio book, you could hear my voice in that story, even if you've never heard my voice before. Um, there were things, there were times in the book where I would say, you know when, right? Like, because you know when is such a conversational thing. You know, mm -hmm. we talk so much about conversational and voiceover. You know, and I wanted to reflect that in writing because I also knew that I was going to be doing the audiobook and talking directly to people. So I wrote it understanding how, you know, we as voiceover professionals speak to people. And, you know, I think I think I, I was able to pull that off. I think you mentioned earlier that like you loved being chatting with friends and family at like Thanksgiving. And that's what it felt like, really, like everyone just kind of sitting around in the living room with food and drink. Yeah. So, Dan, we talked about the, the two different audiences, the people who have kids and the people who are chi hashtag child free. Obviously, the book is slanted in the direction of hashtag child free because that's where you're coming from. But I'm curious right. as what the response has been as to what the response has been from your friends and, and fans of the book from both camps, people who have kids and maybe are happy about it. People who have had kids and maybe regretted it a bit and people who have no kids <laughs> at all. What's the response been like? First of all, the response has been overwhelmingly positive, like very positive, not just like kind of, yeah, you know, but like really like this is good stuff, Dane. You know, um, one of my buddies who has children said to me, hey, man, if this if you were famous, this would be like a New York Times bestseller. And I'm like, damn, I just <laughs> I need to <laughs> get some more famous on my, on my team, you know, Um but the the response has been overwhelmingly good, including from parents. Um, parents have really uh, leaned into this and really enjoyed it. The, the um, child-free community has really enjoyed it as well. I, I've gotten some, a little bit of meh, you know, because there are some people who don't get the humor in it. They don't get the fact that, you know, this is not um, arguable. I, I always look at it and say, People's lives are not run by democracy. So, uh, yeah, I can get where you have an opinion, but it's it's fine. At the end of the day, you don't get a vote. So just sit back and enjoy, you know, the VO. Sit back and enjoy the book, um, you know. But people have been overwhelmingly positive. There, there have been people who wanted to argue the points. And I'm just like, everything that I have to say is written in the book, you know. Yeah, and it, it's an opinion piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 an opinion piece. It's a fun piece. Um, I do, you know, introduce some concepts. I did a lot of research for this book as well. Um, you know, there's there are a lot of sources in in this book because I did want to give people information. I think anytime that you make a decision about anything, then you should have as much information as possible, especially something as important as bringing life in, into the world. You should do everything that you can, get all the information that you can, not romanticize it, but really appreciate it for what it is and what it will be um, for you, for your partner, and for that person that you're gonna bring into life, so. And I, I think you mentioned in the book too, I mean, one of the reasons for the pushback is that this idea of the nuclear family and, and that, that 
those achieving success at these different stages by getting married and having kids it's like a a social and evolutionary absolute you know like so we like we mm -hmm. feel hardwired and heavily encouraged by like all of our media to do this and yeah you should do it right <laughs> yeah, so like you're like should should be banned you know mm-hmm and and like yeah. you said, like why should we invest two hundred thousand dollars in order to like bring more lives into this world? Or maybe it be a hundred thousand if you have upwards of five kids. It was just really nice to hear a lot of the reasons that I had for not having kids, like quick uh, personal stuff. But like my fiance and I are in our like mid to late thirties. Uh, we're probably not going to have kids. We still love children. Like we, we're we're super aunt and uncle. We we're both teachers. And I wondered, wow. is like, is this because <laughs> you had those similar qualities too? I was like, is this just a personality type? These like mentor figures who love kids but love their freedom more. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're the guys who like we go out, we do our service because we think it's so important for the people who are here. And then uh, we come home, we close our doors, we lock them with like six locks. We stand behind the door, brace our back against it and be like, whew, no kids in here. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Let the filters come off. <laughs> We're like, fuck. I got news for you. Parents do that too. I just I lock myself in the basement and disappear for a few hours <laughs> with the Xbox or a beer or both. So, Paul, Dane, you, you see how I joke about um, about dads um, always using the the phone in the car, right? Like like that's the that's the private place, right? That's yep. the place that you can have all your conversations with your friends, you know, un unintruded. You yeah, know? if you're a voice actor, sometimes <laughs> I use the booth for that too. Okay. Okay. It works. Yeah. You have an excuse. Yeah. Exactly. You have a good excuse. Daddy's yeah. working, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. Most dads are, you know, that you when they go out, they that's when they get their conversations on and their their f words on and stuff. Yeah. So before we get too far off topic, um, I want to come back to the the technical aspect of the book because you mentioned this, okay. I think you you did the children's book also, but this is your first full length audiobook, correct? What was that process yeah. like and what were some stumbling blocks you encountered? As you mentioned in the intro, much of the work that I do is radio imaging, uh, it's production of commercials. So when you voice imaging, you can do things like, you know, I'm going to give you a script because I actually have a script in front of me, right? So I did something today where it goes like, uh, we're taking you back down memory lane, right? And, and I can read that line or I can read that line. We're taking you back down memory lane. We're taking you. And I can, I can chop that up when I deliver it. And they'll take the best pieces of what I gave them. Sometimes they may like the beginning of one sentence and the end of another, and they'll edit those things together. So I have a very radio imagers mentality when I deliver a voiceover. I don't, I'm not constantly looking at it like I have to deliver 10 lines, you know, in a row, flawlessly, et cetera, et cetera. I do a lot of editing to the stuff that I do and send out, you know, to auditions or 
or when I do narration and stuff like that. So some of the challenges were just the sheer mistakes that I was making from line to line that I'm used to making. And, and it's not a problem because I, I normally have 10, 15 lines. All right. So I actually hired an editor and there was a point that I was like, man, I feel so bad for this guy. You know, because <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> if he was, if he was a imaging producer, I wouldn't feel bad for him because he, he knows already. But like a regular producer, I just felt so bad for him. I was just like this. I, I just started chopping it up and editing editing a lot of it myself before I even sent it sent it to him. Did you do open you record know, or did you do punch books. and roll? No, I, I suck at that. <laughs> I still suck at that. L listen, I mean, I've never... Um, Punching and rolling is something that I did in the streets when I grew up in New York. <laughs> but I've never done it. I've never done it in voiceover. Okay. Um, and and I've been told, hey, this would make it so much easier. And I'm like, what? What? You know, that's just that's not my um innately, that's not my genre. My genre uh, innately is is the radio imaging and, and the production. Um, piece and and I love my genres and there were days that I was recording this audio book that I can't even lie I I felt so like such a hack as a voice talent <laughs> I was like this is this is embarrassing you know but I sent it to the producer and he did exactly what imaging producers do for me every day and he sent it back and I was like man, this is good. <laughs> Thank you. You know what I mean? Thank you. He he made me look good, just like other producers do. So yeah, so that was that was a bit of a challenge, being uh, a fish out of water. It was my first audiobook, full-length audiobook. And unless I do another uh, book of my own, it will definitely be my last. I have <laughs> so much respect for audiobook narrators and and you know now like it, when i see any audiobook narrator at vo atlanta i'm just gonna be like i'm just gonna bow down to them look i understand you know like it's incredible you know so it, it was it was tough this this was tough just because you're a voice actor doesn't mean that you're gonna be good at everything and i think that's a misconception that a lot of people have Totally. Each uh, each genre has such specific requirements and, and yeah. different processes and, and styles of delivery. So so mm -hmm. totally. And I mean, I've I talk about this often. I do instructional narration primarily. Most of my mm -hmm. projects aren't longer than an hour, hour and a half. Anything like I am never going to do an audiobook unless I have an engineer, a proofer and an editor, as I cannot do all that myself. So respect. Yeah. And when you say, when you say, the, you know, most of my projects are an hour and a half, um, and you, you say it so nonchalantly, I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> an hour and a half, you know, I'm done in like five minutes, man. Mm. <laughs> you know? And I'm struggling over here. I'm getting the words wrong, you know, for, the, for these. I mean, it's That's I, the I longest so much, Yeah, I, I have so much respect for um, people who do long narration. Um, I, I especially gained it doing this project. There were some days that I wanted to call somebody else to do it. 
But then I realized that no one, no one can truly capture your voice. Um, as when you have it in your head, when you wrote it in your head, when you wrote it down, took it out of your head a certain way, you know, someone can try, but I, I just didn't see anybody being able to reproduce that. Um, I, I gained inspiration in writing this book from Everybody Hates Chris. I had watched it during the pandemic for the first time. And uh, if you if you play back in your head a little bit of how I delivered it in the audiobook, it's very similar to that. You know, the <laughs> the narration that he would do while, you know, little Chris was going through this all kinds of crazy stuff, you know. That's what I thought of and I when I thought about my childhood, when I thought about my experiences and stuff like that, I, I delivered it like that. Or so we were talking before, Dane. Um, I mean you you wrote narrated and pro or produced this with assistance we were mentioning but yeah. you decided to narrate this yourself and like whether or not a na an author should narrate their own book is a bit of a hot button topic but I'd, I'd love to know sort of your process for deciding to do that like i said i had a lot of difficulty in narrating this because this is not my genre obviously i didn't audition myself because i would have never gotten a role okay mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, i thought about other voice actors, obviously being in this field, I, I know a ton of people, um, but I just decided that I just thought it made a lot of sense. Um, obviously, you know, I have, I did ask Issa Lopez to re read a part um, uh, for a, a female part in there. But, and I also had Dr. Mara Carpell, who does the foreword for the book. She she reads her part in the beginning. She's the very first voice that you hear. But when I thought about my part, I just couldn't imagine not doing it myself. As difficult as it was for me to do this, I I had to cast myself. Um, there was a point that I considered having multiple narrators. So I would have someone read chapter one, someone read chapter two. And I also thought about having those voices be um, different kinds of voices, for instance, different ethnicities, uh, different genders, because I, I wanted to show how this book reflects so many different people um, the diversity in our communities who all have these same kind of experiences. We all reach a point in adulthood where whether or not having children is an actual question that we face. So I thought about having multiple narrators to reflect the diversity. And ultimately I thought, what happens if they, they miss out on one of the jokes? Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, I really, I, you could hear that consideration in, yeah. in the delivery. And um, first off, this the we'll talk about the tone. But yeah, I was just listening to it. It's just like that's Dane. It's just like chatting with him in person. You did a really good yeah. job there, and yeah. and I thought you did. You were very conscious and considerate of a diverse audience because it could be really easy to be like, oh man, this is sharing his personal experiences. No wonder he doesn't want kids, right? right. But but you, you had the male and the female perspective. 
and yeah. um, and, and you take responsibility for some of the consequences of that. But but again, I, I just felt like it was very inclusive, and I think that made it a lot easier for people to kind of buy into these ideas. Yeah. So um, as I get older, I become more and more of a centrist, uh, where I have been able to through my travels, through my interactions uh, with different people who, are, who reflect different ideals and backgrounds and cultures just being able to listen to their stories. And instead of defaulting to my own experience or my own opinions about things, when people tell me things about their lives, I believe them, you know? And so if I believe this person who's on, on the left side, and then I believe this person who's on the right side, then I have to just to listen to them and take everything that they say into consideration. So yes, I'm a guy and I've lived a really, really, really guy's life, right? As I talk about in, in the book. But I recognize the destruction that sometimes living the guy's life does to women. And so, yeah, I wanted you know, at 40 plus years old, I have to take responsibility for what I have uh, done, and but also recognize how that perpetuates issues where maybe I did it to someone, they did it to someone else, and they did it to someone else, and then it comes back to me, right? So like, I think we all have to kind of take responsibility for our role understanding that some people do things to us and then we also do things to other people and you know so i told women's stories as well and i asked a woman to uh write a portion of a chapter because i could never have done it justice and and isa lopez did a really great job in in reading that portion of um, of the story like I said, you have this very diplomatic and kind of tough love uh, approach to these topics, but you breach a lot of uncomfortable topics like sex and abortion and toxic relationships. But I think it's really important because it to shine light on some of these invisible eggshell walking topics. So like yeah. what uh, what was your thinking for, for kind of how you approach that? You know, um, I just I just ripped my shirt off and just went outside naked, you know, with it. I let's just show it all off. Let's let's not hide it. Let's um, let's talk about these things. We're adults. They're they're just a whole host of things that we go through as adults. And for some reason, we're always like, you know, like, why? You know, uh, think I, of the children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, think of the children. The children should be in bed uh, by the time you turn on the uh, audio book. You know, it, you probably want to hide the paperback from your kids so they don't think that you're trying to trade them in or, you know, get rid of them or something. What? Forget having kids, Daddy. You know, like, you know, that's, the, you know, you don't want to traumatize them. Um, but when we're, when we as adults are in the room, we have gone through some things. Like I said, everybody's got a great story to tell. 
It's just a matter of, do you feel like your story is worthy of telling? Do you think that your story will help someone? Do you think that your story will entertain somebody? I think that my story can accomplish multiple things. And so, yeah, I talk about those things in a way that hopefully felt less uncomfortable outside of the sandbox. Yeah, I think you did a fabulous job. Now, one thing I want to talk about as well is how you broached the difficult conversation of how not everyone should have kids. And you mentioned how there's really no barrier to entry, and that can be a problem because... Frankly, there are some people who shouldn't procreate. <laughs> and I, Absolutely I, not. <laughs> I don't know how we Actually, fix that, but I was I was appreciative of you approaching that because I've often had that discussion with, with friends and family, even my wife, about how even in our own family, there are people that should not have had kids. <laughs> and what do you do about that? No. So, like, for instance, Paul, I imagine before you got married, you had marriage counseling, mm-hmm. right? And And marriage is a big deal, but a bigger deal is bringing life into into the world but no one ever counsels you about that you know the the pastor or the priest he doesn't take you aside and say do you know all that's involved in this you know when they throw a temper tantrum this is how you need to handle it etc etc right no one no one counsels you is are you ready to give up certain things that you enjoyed before you were a parent I think those conversations need to be had. Uh, I think people need to clearly think about their finances before you get married. You talk about your finances, or I hope that people talk about their finances. How do you com- combine incomes? What are your long-term goals? But often parents don't talk about their their long-term goals. They don't talk about um, money when it comes to dealing with children. There are so many topics that just aren't discussed and should be discussed, because if you don't, it's going to affect the lives of the children and it's going to affect your life. If you're unhappy, your children are going to feel that, you know, so have that counseling, heal those old wounds from when you were a child or from, you know, things that you dealt with as an adult. If you're not happy at your job, you're going to bring that home and you're going to take it out on everybody. And and the people who are most defenseless against that are children. So there, there are a whole host of things that conversations that are not being had. Definitely. I, I love, like I said, um, just so many things resonated with me. Like mainly the fact that I'm like, I'm 37. I don't have my shit together yet. And that's like almost two lifetimes for a kid. So it's just yeah. <laughs> like, it's, uh, and it's funny. Like, I mean, I grew up, kind of romanticizing like i always thought i was a prince finding his princess and we're gonna live happily ever after and have a million babies and then you just notice as you get older that mile marker just gets pushed further and further back and you're like oh maybe i don't want this like <laughs> so it was just really it was really encouraging to have that non-judgmental like validation and and, and i think this is really valuable for people who are who feel resistance from from their loved ones or or like uncomfortable encouragement from even strangers to like oh yeah. like you get, better get going your rent talk your clock's ticking stuff like that yeah yeah absolutely you know again don't let 
strangers or even your family have a vote in your personal decisions. You know, your life is not run by democracy. You know the circumstances for which you govern your life and, and no one else does. And you have to make good decisions because I'll tell you one thing, you'll have those kids and they'll be screaming at nighttime or they'll be screaming in the daytime. And those same people who encourage you to have kids, they're like, oh, I got to go. <laughs> you know, they're, <laughs> they're somewhere else, you know. Um, yeah, you, you have to make the best decisions for yourself. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap up. So once again, the book is Forget Having Kids, I'm Having Fun, 1,000 Random Reasons I Decided to Be Hashtag Child Free by Dane Reed. Dane, thanks so much for joining us. How can people find out more about you as a voice actor or about the book if they want to work with you? Well, um, as a voice actor, go to DaneReedMedia.com, D-A-N-E-R-E-I-D-M-E-D-I-A.com. And if you want to get the book, I got three words for you, Child Free Book. Dot com. It's really easy to remember, childfreebook.com. That'll take you right to the Amazon page. Um, if you are not an Audible member, you can actually download the book for free with an auto trial for three months and cancel at any time. So um, that's that's one of those great things, you know, get the book for free. You know, no one, no one hates free. So... <laughs> Yeah, download the book, you know, take a listen to it, you know, and uh, and and leave some reviews, too. Let me know what you think. Will do. Well, Dane, it's been great catching up. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Man, I, I'm so excited. I appreciate you guys. I really do. I really you do. You too, man. Walgreens, because it's flu season. You live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and, you know, people. We tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites. They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for Mature. Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? And prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly-haired dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. Studio Bricks designs and creates the highest-performing portable sound isolation booths. Their professionally perfected acoustics enhances your performance and takes your recording to their maximum quality from your home studio. Forget about managing noise conflicts with your neighbors and family. Pursue your passion for voiceover on your own time and on your own terms. And we're back. Man, that was fun. Like like I said, Dane and I are old friends, kind of kindred spirits. And I loved his book because, uh, as I mentioned in the interview, Ray and I were considering not becoming parents. And so it's really nice having... Like someone else who shares our or kind of our perspective and and kind of just that affirmation that it's okay to do what we're doing. Yeah, Dane and I are also old friends, at least from the VO world. I met him at my first VO Atlanta, and I've seen him at several of Uncle Roy's barbecues, and it was good to catch up because uh, we were doing video on our end. You couldn't see it, but we were able to see each other's faces, and it was fun to see Dane again. And congratulations on the book. It's it's, uh, it's really fantastic. Yeah, it's quite the undertaking. <laughs> So that wraps up this episode of the VO Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress.
In a couple of weeks, uh, March 23rd through 26th, we are going to be at VO Atlanta, manning the podcast booth. So if you're interested in the podcast and being on the podcast, check us out there if you're at the conference. Yeah, and if you host a podcast, and if you do, I don't know why you'd be listening to us, but we do have some crossover. If you if you host a podcast <laughs> and want to broadcast live at the show, we do have some slots available. Let me or Sean know, and we'll sign you up for a one-hour slot to broadcast live at Bio Atlanta. Whether you're going to be at the conference or not, you're going to hear from us soon. Have a great day, everyone. You'll hear us in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the VO Meter. To follow along, visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter. 